open your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 4. Glad I know Jesus. Amen? Wonderful to know the Lord. It's a bit of an unusual kind of story here that we're going to read this morning, but I want you to look at 1 Samuel chapter 4. We're going to start right off in verse 1. One, and we're going to read through verse 11. And the word of Samuel came to all Israel. Now Israel went out against the Philistines to battle and pitched beside Ebenezer. And the Philistines pitched in Aphek. And the Philistines put themselves in array against Israel. And when they joined battle, Israel was smitten before the Philistines. And they slew of the army in the field about 4,000 men. And when the people were come into the camp, the elders of Israel said, Wherefore hath the Lord smitten us today before the Philistines? Let us fetch the ark of the covenant of the Lord out of Shiloh unto us, that when it cometh among us, it may save us out of the hand of our enemies. So the people sent to Shiloh, that they might bring from thence the ark of the covenant of the Lord of hosts, which dwelleth between the cherubims. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were with were there with the Ark of the Covenant of God. And when the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all Israel shouted with a great shout, so that the earth rang again. And when the Philistines heard the noise of the shout, they said, What meaneth the noise of this great shout in the camp of the Hebrews? And they understood that the Ark of the Lord was coming to them, into the camp. And the Philistines were afraid, for they said, God has come into the camp. And they said, Woe unto us, for there hath not been such a thing heretofore. Woe unto us, who shall deliver us out of the hand of these mighty gods? These are the gods that smote the Egyptians with all the plagues in the wilderness. Be strong. And this word just comes. It came from the Lord. It doesn't say a prophet or anything. We just pick up on this. The Lord actually spoke to the Philistines. Be strong and quit you yourselves like men, O ye Philistines that ye be not servants unto the Hebrews as they have been to you. Quit yourselves like men and fight. And the Philistines fought and Israel was smitten and they fled every man into his tent. And there was a very great slaughter for there fell of, the, of Israel 30,000 footmen. And the ark of God was taken and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas were slain. Now that's some kind of story. And it's kind of un unusual, but... One thing I want to look at today from this story, just so we follow it. This is the time God had raised up Samuel because uh, to be the priest and prophet of Israel. There was no king in this day. And uh, Eli's sons, Hophni and Phinehas, were wicked. And they, they, you don't read it in this passage, but we read it earlier in 1 Samuel, that they were wicked and, and weren't true men of God, though they had the positions of a priest. And... This was a time where uh, the Philistines are coming against them. And so they're smitten. Israel's smitten in a battle. They lose. 4,000 men, I think. And they go back and they say, what's the deal? Why did God let us lose the battle against the Philistines? I know what it is. Let's get the Ark of the Covenant. He says, when it comes, it will save us out of the hand of the Philistines. So they get the Ark of the Covenant and they bring it. And then when they, when, they, when they see the ark coming into their own camp, the Hebrews, the Israelites start shouting, listen, so loud that the earth rang out. I mean, they were passionate. They were loud. They were exuberant. But can I tell you that God was not in it? God was not in it. 
Not like they were hoping and not like they were thinking that they were. There was a great shouting, but God wasn't in it. And I want to say this today, that there is much shouting today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's much clamor. There's much talk in which Almighty God is not in it. This is not point a finger at everybody. There are wonderful men of God, wonderful people of God, wonderful women of God, churches of God, authors, and there are that all over the planet and in our country. But there's much what is being shouted and proclaimed as being of God, and God's not in it. And we need to understand that's a characteristic of the day in which we live. There's much Christian, and I'm using the term loosely, what's under the heading of Christianity, much Christian music, much Christian speaking, many uh, Christian books, quotes, movements, rediscovering the old paths, paving new paths, spiritual formation. There's all kinds of things going on today. Uh, Speaking about the presence of God, where God's presence is not present and He's not in what's going on there. Now we know God's omnipresent and He's everywhere. But as far as His manifest presence, like He's pleased with this, where two are gathered... Two or three are gathered together in my name. There I am in the midst of them. We're talking about that presence of the Lord. And the the Israelites thought for sure God's presence is among us now. We've got the ark. He's going to deliver us. Guess what? They went out and they fought and they lost 30,000 men the next day. God wasn't in it like they hoped, like they assumed that He would be. Just because someone, uh, someone, something, some teaching, some uh, song, some movement, uh, says it's of God, that doesn't mean it's of God. How many of you know that? Just because somebody said this is a move of God, this is the most incredible move of God we've ever experienced, it doesn't mean that it is that because they say that. It might be that. But it's not that simply because we say that. It's not simply that because men claim it to be. No matter how loudly or how often they proclaim it to be so. No matter how kind no matter how refined, no matter how, no matter how spiritual they may seem to be, no matter how much that particular man in the pulpit or so forth, or woman or author is praised by others in the church or in Christian circles, is not of God simply because they claim it to be. It's of God if it is of God. Amen? It's of God. It's not of God if it's not of God. And we need to learn the difference. We need to know the difference. Thank God He gives us discernment. Discernment is not some just mystical woo-woo thing where, oh, every time this happens, the hairs on the back of my neck stand up. I know something's not right. Discernment is a gift of God. Read the gifts of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and then it's elaborated more in, in, four, uh, in 14. Discerning of spirits is one of the gifts of the Spirit. Also the Word of God. That's a plain, simple, wonderful truth for every believer. The Word of God is quick and powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It goes on to say, is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Beloved, believe not every spirit. That's the commandment of God, right? 1 John 4. But try the spirits or test them whether they be of God. And so we have a blessing. I'm getting way ahead of myself. But we have a tremendous blessing. And a couple of blessings from the Lord. He has not left us unequipped. Remember Wednesday night in Second Peter, we're studying He's God, according to His divine power, has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness, according to our knowledge of Him. And so He's given us all things. He's given us discernment that we need if we'll heed it. 
And the means of God's discernment is going to be the Spirit of the living God, the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Ghost that lives in you if you're born again. You need to listen to Him. He's the Spirit of truth and He guides us into all truth. It's not the clamor in the camp of the Hebrews that means it's true. And this is of God. It's God if it's of God. And He gives us His Word. His unchanging Word. And those two, I know I say it all the time, but it's a blessing. It's a blessing. The Word of God. And the Spirit of God. The Spirit of truth and the Word of truth. And you can't really separate them. You can't separate Jesus from His Word either. I love Jesus, but I don't care much for the Bible. I love Jesus, but those commandments seem old-fashioned and out of, you know, out of step, out of place for today. I don't want to abide by those. Jesus said, if you love Me, keep My commandments. He that has My commandments and keeps them, he it is that loves Me. And I'll come and dwell with Him. My Father and I will make our dwelling place with Him. And so, no matter how somebody proclaims it, no matter how many people say, well, this over here, just picture it. I'm taking the, the example of the, the Hebrews in the camp. The ark came. They're shouting so loud that the earth rang out. You're thinking, wow, God's doing something big. This is major. But the, even God was opposed to that. He even told the Philistines, their enemies, don't you be cowards. Quit being like men. Stand up and fight or you're going to be servants to those Hebrews. Can you imagine? God was actually opposed to them. Hebrews go rushing out with this new exuberance. God is among us. They lost 30,000 people in the next battle. It's not of God simply because you shout loud enough. It's not of God simply because you say it enough times. It's of God when it's of God. And we have His Word and we have the Holy Ghost to tell us that. Amen. I want you to turn to 1 Kings chapter 19. Now we're going to keep this example in mind from 1 Samuel, but I want you to turn to 1 Kings 19. This is amazing. <laughs> now here is a true man of God, but we're going to look at another example. We know the story of Elijah calling down the fire from heaven, right? And it was a great move of God. It was God was in it. It was a great victory and, and uh, turned the nation, at least temporarily, back to the Lord. Well, then Jezebel puts this death threat on him. You're going to be dead like those prophets of Baal you kill by this time tomorrow. And he gets afraid and he runs. He's a man. That keeps us from worshiping men. Because <laughs> the best of men, Elijah is one of them. And so Moses and all these people that we read about, they're not Jesus. Jesus is Jesus. And we read about Elijah and I greatly, greatly admire him. I love his life and his separation unto the Lord and his boldness. But guess what? God used him in a mighty way. Jezebel puts a death threat out for him. He runs and says, Lord, goes out in the middle of the wilderness in the desert and says, Lord, just take my life. I'm done. Can't, can't believe you're even letting me live any longer. I just want to die. And God, have you ever felt that way? I have. And, and God's, God says, no, I'm not done with you yet. Got some more things. He, he fell asleep and, and then an angel taps him on the shoulder and he wakes up and there's a cruise of water and some bread. He's, who, who gave it to him? God provided it for him. He eats the bread, drinks the water, falls asleep again. Taps him on the shoulder, eats and drinks a little bit more that God gave him. And the strength of that meat, and let's say the meat being the Word of God. I know it was literal in Elijah's day. But in the strength of that meat, he journeyed 40 days further on that meal and those two meals in that water. So he comes out to Mount Horeb, and this is where he is. We'll pick up in 1 Kings 19, 9-12. And he came there unto a cave and lodged there. 
And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. We always need the word to come to us, y'all. I know these are simple truths, but we cannot just respond and act and what we think is Christian, what we suppose is Christian, and, and think what, what's the crowd of Christians doing and what, what's the latest movement. We have to personally, and we have to hold each other accountable. We're, God put us in a body together for a reason. Okay? In your own individual life, and in your families, and in this church family, and in our church family as a whole, we have to hold each other accountable. We need the Word of God to come to us. And, and the Word of the Lord came to him and said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? I love it. He's asking him a question. A lot of times God wants us to see where, where we're at. Not physically, where we are. Where are you, Adam? Adam, where are you? When he sinned in the garden. God knew where he was. Hiding behind some fig leaves. He had just sinned. God knew where he was. Where are you, Adam? He wanted Adam to know where Adam was. He wanted Elijah to know what, what his mindset was and where he was. And Elijah says, I've been like this as well. Okay? I've been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword, and I, even I only, am left. And they seek my life to take it away. And he, and he said, Go forth, the Lord says, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains. Now I read, I just wanted to look it up. I knew what it meant, but I wanted to look it up. Rent. What does it mean? It means to tear in pieces. Now I've seen some strong winds, and we live in Hurricane Alley down here, and we've seen strong winds. But I've never seen a wind that would take a mountain and break the rocks off from it and crunch it like a little graham cracker or something that the kids were eating. You know, the, the wind was so strong, it rent the rocks in pieces. And break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But listen, but the Lord was not in the wind. God caused the wind. God made the wind. But God wasn't speaking to the man through that wind. He hasn't, this wasn't it yet. But we would have thought, that's amazing. You know what I mean? That's incredible. Think about it though. Here's his man. And he says, the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. I've never experienced one and don't really want to. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. Guess what? The Lord spoke to him in the still small voice. Now God can speak however He wants. He can speak through a shout. He thundered from heaven when, when Jesus was being baptized and people heard you know, this is my beloved son, hear ye him. He can do that if he wants to, but he was speaking to his man right here, and he, I believe he was making a point. He has a power to smash those rocks with wind. He has a power to cause an earthquake when he wants to. A little on-the-spot earthquake for the man. And a fire to pass by. When the world, a fire just passed by. The Lord did all that. And yet, God wasn't in that. And in a still, small voice, we need to be listening. We have a conscience. We have a heart that's been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. And the Holy Ghost resides in us. This is not theology only. It's a reality. If you're saved, the Holy Spirit in our body is His temple of the Holy Ghost. And the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. 
And if the word of God abides in you and so forth, let the word dwell in you richly. Because our good shepherd wants to lead us and guide us and speak to us by that word. He can come thundering from a pulpit. He can come from a still small voice. But we need to discern, is this God or is this not of God? This is the day in which we live. It's never been a day where that was not needed. Amen? But it was amazing to me when I thought about that, that God was teaching us a real truth there. Not only Elijah, but we have it to read. He wants us to know Him. He wants us to recognize His voice, to discern and to perceive His presence among us. We could have the most pumped up services uh, in the new building or whatever, and we could leave there hugging each other and saying this was the most incredible move of God. But we need to know, was it really of God? Now, I'm not assuming it's not. Okay, I'm going to assume it, it is. Because I'm seeking after God. And I want Him. And I know you're seeking after God and want Him. So I'm not going to be skeptical. But I am going to be discerning. And there's a difference. I'm not negative about everything. But I want to be discerning and discern the presence of the Spirit of God among us. It will always line up with this. That's one sure no way to know. I know we, we repeat ourselves often, but this is what the Lord has for us. And William was sharing just a few weeks ago in the high school chapel. Uh, they have on Wednesdays. And one of the teachers was teaching and uh, the chapel are preaching that, that day. And it was exceptionally good. It was exceptionally uh, spiritual and real. And uh, like the Lord was really doing something. Because some are kind of you know, okay, and that kind of thing. But look, it, it appears that the Lord was really moving, and William professed that it was. But one of the things that the teacher said that he had told me, and I appreciated it, uh, she said, this was the speaker at the chapel. People will often ask, how do I know if it's God speaking to me or not? I don't know if that's God's voice or not. And she goes, you know what? It, it sounds a lot like His Word. <laughs> His voice sounds... A lot like His Word. And I say, Amen to that. Amen to that. God can speak to the newest believer. An old saint that's been walking with God ought to know that be tuned in a little better, a lot better to the voice of God. But He can speak to any of His sheep and call them by name. He's going to speak to us through His Word. It sounds a lot like His Word. The Israelites in that first account we read, the Bible says that the, the, the earth shook and yet God wasn't in it. You've heard, you've heard examples. It might have been you. It might be someone you know. It might be a story you heard or an account you heard in our lifetimes. But when He prayed for me or when she prayed for me, her hand shook when she prayed. Or the atmosphere was just so perfect. The lights were down dark and it was, everything was uh, really spiritual. And, uh, and, the, and the preacher called us close and he told us how much he loved us. And the preacher got real quiet and spoke in these hushed tones. Must be of God. It's incredible. And yet God wasn't in it. Or maybe God wasn't in it. Those aren't the criteria, by the way, of whether or not God's... He spoke to He told us how much He loved us. Young people were crying. Old people were crying. People that had grown up abused in their lives, they were crying and they were greatly moved by everything that was going on. Uh, or He spoke with great boldness or... He got very loud or, or, or maybe uh, a lot of other Christian leaders were echoing what the first one said. It must have been of God. Incredible move of God. The preacher said it was of God. 
and all the other preachers around him said it was of God, or around her, sin leaders, must be of God. Must be true. He can't be wrong. I've known him. Or, or, or this many church leaders couldn't be wrong. It must be of God. But it wasn't. It wasn't in the Hebrews' day. They had the Ark of the Covenant. And God wasn't present with them. They had the Ark of the Covenant. And God was not manifesting His presence with those people. He loved them. But He wasn't manifesting His presence there with them. Just listen to this Scripture. 2 Corinthians 10.18 For not he that commendeth himself is approved, but whom the Lord commendeth. And so... Approving yourself and commending yourself like this doesn't mean it's of God and it's right. You know, there's a priesthood, and I wouldn't plan on saying this, but there's a priesthood of believers. And one of the, thing I, one of the things that God has given to people is that discernment and that authority in Christ. Everybody's not a pastor. Everybody's not necessarily a missionary or something like that. But everybody is a king and priest unto God because He's made us that. And by so being that unto the Lord, we also have both the, the authority and the responsibility to exercise that discernment. And I wasn't planning on saying this, but if I preach something wrong in Sunday school or here or anywhere, or you, you, know, you can't say, well, that's the pastor. I'll just keep quiet. He knows best. If you do know the truth, then you know the truth. You don't need me to tell you. And you don't need to swallow what I'm saying because no, no, really, this is true. When you know the Scripture says otherwise. You need to heed the Scriptures. Now, do it in love. Be kind. Come to me. and Talk to me. Don't assume I'm just some heretic. Come and talk to me and find out. Okay? And let's talk about it. But you have the responsibility and the authority. We don't shrink down like a little... You know, what's the little saying? A shrinking violet or a wilting violet? Just, you know, hide in the corner. Well, that's the man of God. We have, there's times we have to exercise that discernment. Now, what do we do with it? We need wisdom. Discernment by itself is not enough. We need wisdom to know now what to do with the discernment I have. And it's going to be for edification. It's going to be for uniting, building Fixing things, making things right, not destroying and dividing. It's going to be trying to bring it together. But, but you understand the point. Not he that commends himself is approved, but whom the Lord commends. Well, there's a difference there in there. You have people commending themselves. I'm of God. My teachings of God. My new books of God. This new thought. This new uh, spiritual formation. This, that is of God. Or when we have uh, people commending each other. Yeah, he's right. He's of God. That's of God. It may be. But I don't have to hear it like that from you. I need to know it from the Holy Ghost. I need to know it from the Word of God. Again, I'm not saying we are skeptical and assume everybody's a false prophet or a false teaching. But we have to be aware and on guard. And God does give us discernment. And oftentimes we don't listen to Him. We don't heed it. We, sh- we sweep it under the rug because we got people, there are people involved here. And I don't want to bring any kind of division. That's my best friend over there. That's my this, that's my that. And we, we sweep under what God's given us and cast it aside. Guess what? You're left in a bad spot when you do that. 
You might think it's the most noble reason for doing it, but you cast the Lord and His discernment off, and you're in trouble. You're in a bad spot. You're going to believe something you didn't used to believe one day. You're going to believe it. It's going to happen. We've got to heed the discernment that God gives us. Um, that word commend, when it says, not he that commendeth himself is approved, but whom the Lord commends. It means to introduce favorably, to exhibit, to stand near. So if I'm commending myself, and I'm exhibiting myself very favorably to make you think something of me. I don't have to do that, by the way. I just need to preach the Word. You, the Holy Ghost in you will tell you, Amen. And we'll all be Amen and around His throne together. We'll all be Amen around these altars together. Because the Holy Ghost is going to approve it. That message is of God. That, right, that Word, the way it was divided was right. That's the rightly divided the Word of God. That man is of God. Uh, that message is of God. His ministry is of the Lord. God can show us those things. Okay? But it's not He that commends Himself. The Bible says, study, study to show yourself approved. That means acceptable. Try. So there's a testing there. Study to show yourself approved. It doesn't even just say read. Study to show yourself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth and so the word of the lord rightly revealed by the spirit of god commends or approves what's of god not he that commends himself but the one the lord commends is approved of god he commends it by his word and he commends it by the holy ghost bringing that word to bear not just a scripture thrown on it you know every false teaching has scriptures thrown all over it but the rightly divided Word of God. That's where you have to have the Holy Spirit. It's not just the Word of God. It's the Word of God illuminated, revealed, taught by the Holy Ghost. Because every cult's got uh, Scriptures pasted all over it. The Jehovah's Witness come knocking at your door. they got Scriptures all over it. But it's not rightly divided. There's another Spirit besides the Holy Spirit. And so we need, to, we need that. We need to be born again. We need to be... Uh, and dwelt by the Spirit, which we are at the new birth, and we need to be filled with the Spirit. He tells us, be not drunk with wine, be filled with the Spirit. So the Ark of Covenant arrives in the camp of the Hebrews. They shouted so loud that the earth rang out. Surely they must have thought, this is it. This is the trick. This is the ticket. This is what we need. This is the missing piece to the puzzle. But had there been any repentance for their sin? Have there been any turning to God and fasting and praying and say, you know what, we haven't kept your laws and your ways, God, and you told us we were going to be judged with these specific judgments if we didn't keep your way and we haven't kept your way. And God, we're, we're sorry and we're turning back to you. We're coming back. There was none of that. It's like, oh, we got the ark now. Bam, that's our spiritual ticket. Now we're going to go whip the Philistines. They didn't whip the Philistines. They lost 30,000 men. I don't think God had any pleasure in that either, by the way. Surely they're, they're, God's pleased with us. Now we've got the ark. But the Israelites missed it. They were estranged from God. They were estranged from God at this time. They were stooped in their idolatry. They assumed God would now defeat the Philistines on their behalf. They assumed God would just, just do it for them. There's another... Uh, passages like this in the Bible. I want you to turn to Judges chapter 17. Anybody in here? I know we've talked about it before. 
heard this sermon by Paris Reed has Ten Shekels in a Shirt. Amazing sermon. If you haven't heard it, go online and download it. It's worth listening to more than once. He bases it off of this chapter. And I want you to read. We're going to read a few verses here. Judges chapter 17. We're going to read verse 1 and then skip down. And there was a man of Mount Ephraim whose name was Micah. Verse 5 and 6. And the man Micah had a house of what? Gods. Little g. And made an ephod. That's a, that's a Hebrew thing. That was of the priest, Levitical priesthood. And a teraphim. And consecrated one of his sons who became his priest. Well, the priests were supposed to be Levites, right? There was a, there was a descendancy there. There was an order there. It's not a free-for-all. Took one of his sons and made him a priest. In those days, there was no king in Israel, but every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Verse 10. Micah said unto him, there's this, this man traveling from Bethlehem, Judah, and he passes by. And Micah says, who are you? Where are you going? I, I'm, a, I'm a Levite. And I'm traveling looking for a place to stay. Just any place I could fit in. Why don't you stay here with me? Micah says. Be a priest unto me. And he goes, I'll give you... Let's read it. And Micah said unto him, Dwell with me. Be unto me a father and a priest. And I will give thee ten shekels of silver by the year and a suit of apparel and thy food. So the Levite went in. He's basically a priest for hire. There's nothing about a calling of God there on the priest's life. And certainly not from Micah's point of view. Verse 13. Then said Micah, Now know I that the Lord will do me good seeing I have a Levite to my priest. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound like the Hebrews saying, the ark is here. The ark of the covenant is here. And the Philistines are like, whoa, what just happened over there? They were pumped up. We got the ark. God's on our side now. What do you think? Here's Micah. He was an idolater, y'all. He was an idolater. He had his little gods. He was getting, uh, took some money from his mother and stole it to go make some more little gods. And he has, uh, he's going to throw the Hebrew god in there as well with the, the ephod and the teraphim. And then he finds a Levite. He knew that priests were Levites. So he finds a young Levite looking for a place to live. Hey, stay with me. I'll pay you some, some money. You stay with me. I'll feed you. Be a priest unto me. Isn't this just a wonderful little arrangement? God wasn't in it. There was nothing to do with the Lord. There was two men and what they wanted. And in the mindset, the, the, the Levite wanted uh, income. Wanted to be taken care of. Hey, this is not, not a bad deal. I get paid this much a year. I'll be a priest to this man. To the religious thing with him. But Micah's mindset was in verse 13. Now, know I... Well, he didn't know. He thought it. He assumed, now know I that the Lord will do me good. Because i got a Levite to be my priest. It's my little ticket right here. But God wasn't in it. He was an idolater. And there, and I just look at stories like that and I say, where's the fear of God? Where's the knowledge of the holy? Where is God in that picture? Where's the loving reverence for the Lord? And a love for His Word? And a seeking after God? Now I know the Lord's going to do me good. I'm going to be blessed beyond measure. Because among all my other little gods, I got me a good Levite priest to be my personal priest. Or we got the Ark of the Covenant in our camp now. 
Where's the fear of God? Where's the genuine love for the Lord? We love Him and we want Him. And we pursue after Him. That's what the Lord is looking for. So I think what a grave and a gross and a costly error. Jesus said you do greatly err not knowing the Scriptures. He said that to religious men. To Jewish scribes and Pharisees and lawyers and legalists. He told a woman at the well, you worship, you know not what. We know who we worship. God's not even really in the picture, but they're, they think God's in the picture somewhere. I'll ask this question. We're going to be bringing this to a close. Do you think God, Almighty God, is going to act or bless, etc., in, in a, any way contrary to His Word? Ever. Will He ever do that? He'll never do that. He's not going to act or bless. He'll forgive a sinner. Praise God, or none of us would be here. And He'll forgive us 70 times 7. More than that. And He's merciful to sinners. And He'll do whatever He can to come and seek and save the lost and bring them. He'll never bless the sinner in the midst of their sin just to bless them. I'm going to bless your sinfulness. Does He ever do that? No, He says, I'll be merciful to your unrighteousness. That's not the same. See, Israel wanted the blessings of God to feed our enemies for us when He had already told them back in Deuteronomy with Moses standing on Mount Gerizim and Mount Ebal and said, here's the blessings for obeying God's voice. You're about to go in that promised land. Don't forget the Lord when you get there. Okay? And He'd get on Mount Ebal and pronounce the curses and say, here's all the curses that are going to come against you if you don't keep God's commandments. They knew that. And they think all of a sudden because we got the ark, God's going to bypass His Word Go around, 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 around the end of that, and going to give this this blessing and defeat the Philistines. Can I tell you, he'll never do that. He'll save to the uttermost them that come to him by faith. He'll save the vilest of the vile. He'll save on the deathbed. He'll save in the last breath, gasping breath of air. Save me, and he'll save us. But he's never going to act contrary to his word. Never. He'll never do it. And we need to know that. We need to know the day, day and age we, which we live. It's not Him who commends Himself, but whom the Lord commends. He's not going to act or move or bless unrighteousness. He'll forgive it when we repent and turn to Him. That's how He moves. That's how He acts. That's how we know it's God. Because Lord, I turn to You and I'm a no good, filthy, vile sinner. And I am. And I turn to God and He forgave me. That's how I know it's God. And not just somebody telling me it's God. I know it. And I have the Holy Ghost in me. And I have the same Bible that you have. And just because somebody says, do you think God in this day and age is now going to all of a sudden start honoring and blessing the uh, Eastern, ungodly practices of Eastern religion and say, I'm going to start having Christian yoga now. That's how I'm going to start meeting with my people. Christian yoga classes across the U.S. They have them. Christian yoga. So your mantra, which is what you repeat over and over, just say Jesus. We'll make it Christian yoga. Right? Christian meditation. Do you think all of a sudden God now in our day is going to start meeting and manifesting His presence and blessing people and saying this is where I'm going to meet you? 
and bless you and how you're going to find me and communicate me and fellowship with me is now going to be in Eastern meditation and yoga and in mystical prayers and contemplative prayers. These are just fancy names for yoga and for, for Eastern meditation and centering prayer. Is God going to start doing that uh, simply because some notable Christian prominent men say that that's how He's going to do it now? He is not. He is not going to do that even if every Christian leader said, this is the move of God, you're missing it. You know, Chuck, you better get on this bandwagon, you're missing it. You're, you're not experiencing this revival like we are because you've got to learn these techniques of the centering prayer. Yeah, the, the Eastern people use it, but we use it for Christ. We use it for God's glory. And so, you think God's going to bypass His Word and come, bloop, drop a blessing? This is now where I'm going to meet. Well, the Bible says this, God who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in times passed unto the fathers by the prophets hath in these last days, that's the days we're living in, has spoken unto us by His Son. That's how He's going to speak to us. Sanctify them by Thy truth. Thy Word is truth. And so, He hasn't changed His way. And just because a bunch of quote Christian leaders say this is the latest, greatest, newest thing. Reynolds, you're missing out. You're missing out. You've been dry. You need revival. This is what you need. And then 50 other pastors tell you the same thing. That doesn't mean it's of God. He's not going to bypass His Word. And you know what's being done? you really got to watch this. This is where we really need the discernment. And I need the discernment. Because they'll take some Easter meditation practice or pick whatever it is. Something's not of God. Some religious practice. And... They will. Uh, they know that people are onto it a little bit in the church. They pick. They know the lingo. New. That sounds new agey. So what do they do? A lot of people. And you know, it's not the Lord. They want to promote this in Christian camps and circles. What they do is they'll change the words. It's the same root of it. They change the packaging around it. I mean, they offer you the same thing, and people, Christians, swallow it. But it's the same thing. It's the same false practice. It's the same contemplative prayer. It's the same uh, New Age uh, meditation. It's the same false doctrine. There's nothing new under the sun. It's a deceiving spirit and a doctrine of the devil. But we'll pace. We'll, we know that Christians are catching on to it, they say. So if, for that to fly in my church or this church, I'm going to have to pack, repackage it a different way. And we'll ease it in a little bit. We'll change some of the wording to it. And then we'll preach a real solid message. And then we'll slip in some of this stuff that's not solid, but we want them to take it. Don't you don't think that's not happening? They change the words to it, and it's the same thing. You better know the Lord. Amen. You better have discernment. You better know the Word of God. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm telling you, we need to live for Jesus and walk closely to Him. Amen. We cannot put our Christianity on autopilot and think it's all going to be okay. There's a lot of spiritual show. There's a lot of clamor in our day. It seems like the manifestation of God, but God has not manifested Himself in it. There's some other spirit. Sometimes it's the flesh of man that gets worked up. I might have been guilty of it at times of getting worked up in my flesh. Okay? But sometimes it's another spirit. It's another spirit that's not the Holy Spirit. And you don't want another spirit that's not of the Holy Spirit. I don't care how kind or how, how it's presented and so forth. Uh, it's presented as being a true move of God, and yet the Lord wasn't in it. 
And I was thinking about it, and we're, we're going to close, but even with Elijah the prophet, who was a man of God, he was going through a hard time, right? He was having a pity party, which I've done, and many times. God wasn't done with him. In fact, after he spoke to him in a still small voice, he gave him three orders. You're going to anoint Elisha to be prophet in your stead because I'm coming to get you in a chariot of fire. You're going to anoint uh, Hazael to be king of Syria and I forgot who else. I mean, Samaria and another one king of Judah. I forgot right now. But he had more things for the man to do. He, he wasn't done with him. God was very kind to him. But um, I'll just ask this. Does God... You know, the big shout that rang out. I'm not opposed to shouting. The Bible's not opposed to shouting. Does God still move in big ways? In boisterous ways? In mighty ways? Yes, He does. He still does that. But again, it, it will never be in opposition to His Word. It'll be in perfect agreement with His Word. Because He doesn't want us to be like little children tossed to and fro with every wind. Oh, I wonder if this is God. I wonder if this is God. I wonder if this is God. I wonder if they said it wasn't. These people are really convincing. They said it's of God. You know, and just He doesn't want us to float around like that. He wants you to know Him and to walk with Him and to, and to be filled with His Spirit and to be filled with His Word, rightly divided, and to stay there. That's a dwelling place. The Word of Christ dwelling you richly. And we, held, we hold one another accountable. If I start getting off just the least little bit, well, there's a lot of barriers. The Lord's going to show me Himself and the Holy Ghost and the Word of God. And if I'm bullheaded and insist on, insist on going my way, I have a wife and two children that are going to show me. And I prayerfully have a church full of people that would tell me, well, I'm not an elder. I'm not a deacon. I'm not a this. You're a believer. Tell me. Help me. Don't come and blast me to, to ridicule. Come to me and help me. And anywhere along the line, God can help us and stop the folly, stop the, the error. It doesn't have to turn into some huge thing. God, thank You for showing me. I was getting really lifted up in myself. Thank You for showing me. I was getting off. And I was preaching that in an out-of-balance way. And it was, it was, I was taking it too far. And it was not of You, God. Thank You for showing me. That's how it could be and how it should be. The Spirit of Truth. Amen? We're wondering, is this of God? Is it not? Well, it sounds a lot like His Word, like that teacher said. What we need in our day, y'all, and God gives it to us, but I think, and I'm, I'm closing, but on the Mount of Transfiguration and the, several of the different Gospels that we read that when, when Peter, James, and John, Jesus took them up onto the Mount alone, apart from everybody else. And while he was there, he was transfigured before them. Okay? And they're, they're, uh, his clothes were shining brighter than any bleach could get them. They were radiant. And, and, and then there appeared unto them Elijah and Moses talking with each other. I've always wondered what that was like. What are they talking about? They're probably talking about the Lord and what he was going to do. I would think on the cross. And, you know, this was close to the, him going to Calvary. But anyway, whatever they're talking about. And then Peter says, this is awesome, God. This is just amazing. Uh, we, we need to build three tabernacles here. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. And Because and, it says he wist not what to say. He didn't know what to say. But he just said something. Sometimes we've got to be quiet when we don't know what to say. Amen? He didn't know what to say. And so uh, God was going to set this straight real quick. Talking about hearing a voice, okay? And hearing the right voice. 
it says a cloud overshadowed them, like a thick glory cloud over, overshadowed them. And they heard a voice from heaven. They knew who it was. It was Almighty God, the Father, speaking, saying, this is my beloved Son. Hear Him. And when they looked up and could see again, they saw no man but Jesus. And that's who we need to hear. And that's who we need to follow. And I want to point you in that direction. And I want you to point me in that direction. And I want us to keep each other right there. And when Samuel was anointing David to be priest, and I'm, I'm closing with this, when Samuel was anointing David to be priest, God said, I've got one of the sons of Jesse. Call him to a feast. Tell him to get all his sons there. And uh, I'm going to anoint. I've rejected Saul. Uh, and uh, I'm choosing a man after my own heart to be king of my people. And he, he says, he didn't tell him which one. And so he goes, you go to Jesse's house and you'll prepare the feast. And it says Eliab, who was the oldest one, passed by. I guess they were coming kind of in order, maybe from the oldest. And Jesse's oldest son passed by. And Samuel knows God's chosen one of Jesse's sons to be king. And here comes Eliab by. And, and what does Samuel say? And he's a wonderful man of God. Knew God. Walked with the Lord. This wasn't necessarily a sin, but it just shows how we can think and jump to conclusions. That's all I'm saying. Samuel said, surely the Lord's anointed is before me. He's saying within himself, that's the one. He's a good looking dude. He's big and strong. This is the guy. This is the oldest son. He's going to be the king. This is the guy right here. And the Lord says, the Lord said unto Samuel, look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. And he sent and brought in, brought him in. So what would happen if all the sons of Jesse passed by? And the Lord says, no, neither has the Lord chosen this. Neither has the Lord. Now, Samuel's hearing this voice. Nobody else is hearing it. He's watching them pass by. Good to meet you, son. But the Lord's saying, neither has the Lord chosen this. Samuel. And, the Lord, and now he's just... All right, I'm just holding my peace. God's, you got any other sons? You said, you know, you, you, well, there's, there's little David out there tending those sheep. Well, we're not going to sit down and eat till he gets here. So go get him. And they fetched him. And as soon as he was there, it says, and he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and with all of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look to. And the Lord says, arise, anoint him, for this is he. And I thought, well, how did Samuel know? That that was the one. You know how he knew? Because God told him. How do we know something's of God? Because God tells us. Even the man of God thought, surely that's the one. Surely that's the one. Now I'm going to shut up now. I don't know who it is. You know? Anoint him. Arise and get up and anoint David to be king. That's how he knew it was the one. Because God told him. And y'all, we're going to know. We're not left in the dark. We're going to know because God tells us what's of God. All through the rest of your life and the rest of my life, as long as the Lord has, has us here, there's going to be seducing spirits and doctrines of the devil. I'm not living in fear of that. I'm not preoccupied with it. I don't think about it every day. But I do pray to be filled with this spirit. I do pray for the gift of discernment. I do want to be, have the rightly divided word and the understanding of the word from the Holy Ghost and keep my antenna up and going about my business and live in this word and stay in this word. And I'm just closing with that. Y'all can stand... Um, this morning, but I just think about that with, with Samuel. It's such a, a simple story. 
How did he know that David was the one? He knew it because God told him. He thought it was other ones. He thought it was Eliab. But he knew when it was the right one. And it's going to be the same for your life. You're wondering, who do I marry? I think it might be this one. I think it might be this one. You know what it is? It'll be the one when God tells you. You'll know it. And nobody else could tell you yay or nay about it. You'll know. All through your life, if you get to where you can hear God's voice like that, then you're going to be okay. And we can help each other with that, y'all. To keep our eyes on the Lord and our ears open to the Lord. Y'all pray with me. These altars are open. Find you a place. Meet with God. And maybe you've gotten caught up in, in some things in, in your life uh, that was promoted as being the Lord and a great move of God. And, and you're looking back and you're saying it wasn't. Or maybe God even showed you this morning that wasn't really God. Whatever. Maybe you need to ask God to forgive you. We all need to ask for more discernment and then the wisdom to know what to do with it as He gives it to us. But Father, we just come before You. In Jesus' name, God. And we love You and we thank You, Lord. Just like on the Mount of Transfiguration, two wonderful men of God, three of them, I'm sorry, James, John, and Peter, they're believers, God. Not half the men of God that they were. But they didn't know what to say or what to do. And you set them straight really quick and you said, this is my beloved Son. This one, Jesus. Hear Him. Lord, we want to hear You. We're asking this morning, hey, let us hear You. And let us know it's You. And let us know it's You as opposed to some other voice that claims to be You. Would You give us that discernment? Would You give us that uh, knowing in our hearts, God? Would You keep us, Lord, in this day in which we live, in these days ahead in which we're living, keep us from uh, following after vanity, following after something false. Let us be steady and strong and established upon Jesus. The love of God being shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. A knowledge of the Most Holy that we really know and nobody could talk us out of it or tell us different because we know I pray You'd use us in each other's lives, God, to help, not, not to attack or smite, but use us in each other's lives to, to build each other up in this most holy faith, to bring the Word of God rightly divided, to spend our time in that secret place of the Most High with You, alone with You, to where we leave it, God. We know that we're filled with Your Spirit and we're, we've heard from You. Thank you that you're able to keep us. We thank you, Lord God, for these examples in the Bible. You said these things were written for our admonition upon the whom's of the upon the whom the ends of the world are come. The things about Israel that we read, these things, things are written for our strength and admonition and correction and instruction. And we receive it. But we leave here changed today, God, that you would help us in Jesus' name.